Hey, welcome to episode 14 of the Fit Life Formula podcast. My name is Brian Sippitz. I'm the founder and CEO of Advantage Strength in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The Fit Life Formula podcast is for the members of Advantage Strength and anybody else who's looking to live a healthy, active life uh, well into their later years. Um, these are people who want to keep moving, who want to keep playing, keep having fun, keep doing the things that they used to be able to do. Uh, and on the show, we are going to be sharing ways that people can continue to do that and be the person that they want to be well into their later years. Uh, week after week, we're excited to share with you information that's going to help you do that. Maintain a healthy body, maintain a healthy mind, healthy mindset, and uh, keep yourself moving all the way into your later years. And so I'll tell you right up front, I usually try to record when there's not much going on in the gym, but today is a pretty busy day in here, so you may hear some uh, clinking around or some med balls being thrown against the wall or, or whatever, so apologize for the extra noise, but hopefully the content of this episode will make up for that. Today we're going to be talking about the best practice for your core routine. We're going to be talking about what exactly the core is, um, where it's located, why we train it, um, and the way it should actually be trained. And we'll talk about how your quote-unquote uh, ab work may not be the best thing to do um, for your longevity, especially for the longevity of your back. So today we're really considering as a sort of a public service announcement for those who are still doing sit-ups, uh, side bends, core twists, uh, anything where you're taking your spine through a range of motion, uh, particularly your low back. Um, we're going to talk about how there's, there's safer, more functional ways to train the core and uh, talk about what those are. Just to kick it off here, I, I think one of the biggest things that people go to a doctor for, you know, especially physical therapy, is, is just general low back pain. And a lot of times when someone goes to a doctor first to get a referral, they might refer them to physical therapy. They also might encourage these people just to improve their core strength. Now, to, to most, that means make your, your belly stronger, right? And that's part of it. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, the definition of the core sort of changes depending on who you're talking to. Um, but I think there's, there's definitely an understanding. Everyone assumes that it goes from at least your hips to the bottom of your ribs. And I think that would be the minimum. But um, we talked about this last week, actually, with Greg Roskovensky, the idea of um, the book Anatomy Trains. There's a lot of arguments and there's a lot of evidence that shows that everything is connected from the arch of your foot all the way to the back of your head. And so the question is, what is the core? And my argument would be the, the core is anything from the arch of your foot to um, right about right around the top of your head. The reason for that is is that you know any any movement is going to kind of go through the middle of your body in some way, shape, or form, right? And and you know your core in daily life is what allows you to sit with tall posture. It's what allows you to pick up a shovel full of snow and uh, throw it off the sidewalk. You know, uh, walking, vacuuming, throwing, jumping, picking up a pencil. Uh, any sport really, or any activity is, uh, has demands on your core. And it really depends on your, your livelihood, your ability to move, your ability to continue doing things, uh, especially the things that you want to do really, uh, is dependent on strength and good coordination in your core. And so we 
we're going to talk uh, today a little bit about what good core work is, what we should probably stop doing immediately, and why. Um, and then we're going to talk about exactly what the core does for us and how it does that. Um, so the, the idea would be if you understand a little bit more about what your core does, then you're going to be in a better position to take care of it um, and maintain that core strength that the doctors and physical therapists want you to have, um, which is also going to mitigate the risk for low back pain um, and keep you moving. So all this is super important stuff. So let's kick this off kind of by talking a little bit about exactly what the core does for us. Now, there's a ton of different definitions out there, but really, I think the most important thing to know is that the core transfers um, power and movement from your lower body to your upper body or your, your upper extremities um, and vice versa. And so when you have you know, a, strong, a, a strong core, whatever, whatever that means to you, whatever kind of strength you need through your core, when you have a strong core, you're transferring power efficiently to your upper body, which is why, you know, um, baseball players can throw a ball really hard or why, you know, the, you turn your hips into a golf shot or, you know, a slap shot in hockey or whatever. Or to go back to the shoveling example, when you, when you shovel, you're not just using your arms, you're turning your hip and throwing that snow farther than you could if you were just using your arms. So really, a strong core allows us to you know, translate the, the power that we generate with our lower body to our upper body. So that's why it's so crucial um, and, and translates to things that we do in, in everyday life, like digging and vacuuming and all those kinds of things. So when your core is strong, you provide, basically the, the biggest key is that you provide proper support and positioning of your pelvis and your spine. Now your spine is kind of the biggest player here because Generalized low back pain is a major complaint for people, uh, and I think this can be attributed to you know lack of physical activity to begin with, also seated postures throughout the day. Um, there's a lot of mechanisms that can be basically traced directly to those two things, but we should know something about the spine before we get into kind of what kind of core training we should be doing. One thing you should know about the spine is that not all segments or not all vertebrae are create, created equal. As you go up the back, so start at your waistband. Okay, those, that's your sacrum and your lumbar spine. And then you're working your way up through the thoracic spine, which is kind of the middle of your back, the, the ones that attach to all your ribs. And then finally, the cervical spine is, is like your neck um, all the way up to your skull. And the, the thing that's kind of interesting is that when you're in your when you're considering your low back there are about two degrees of rotation at, in your lower lumbar vertebrae meaning they only rotate a tiny bit because they're big they're thick they're chunky they're not really made to move so your low back is actually made to be stable and as you go up the spine there's increasing degrees of range of motion all the way up to your cervical spine. So if, um, you know, you can turn your head better than you can turn your shoulders, right? So, um, but when you put all those segments together, you know, we get about 90 degrees of, of rotation. Um, and even more, if you're talking about, you know, you, you could kind of look over one shoulder, that's more than 90 degrees of rotation. So when you add all those degrees of rotation up, as you go up your 
your spine, kind of realize that, you know, the difference in the shape of the vertebrae, the difference in the size of the vertebrae, allow for movement at the top, but not necessarily at the bottom. So we've got to kind of rethink the core work that we're doing. Does, does the core work that you're doing, um, or like the abdominal strengthening that you're doing, does that make sense? All right. And what we do know is that flexion, especially repeated flexion, is the quickest way to provoke back injury, especially like disc bulges and that kind of thing. Because if you think about it, when you do a crunch, right, a, a standard like lay on your back and pull your head forward to, you know, so your elbows touch your knees, when you do a standard crunch or a sit-up, you're taking your spine through a range of motion, and a lot of times you're in a flexed position when you do that, most of the time. So when you add that repeated spine flexion, you're actually kind of taking the, the disc that's in the middle, so you have, you know, Think of every, every segment has, you know, a bone, a vertebrae on the top and bottom, and then a squishy disc in between. Um, you know, so think of this as, I don't know, two cookies with, uh, with soft serve ice cream in the middle, right? And it can, take, it can take some flexing, right? It can take, like, if you push on one side of the cookie, um, you know, let's say you have it between your hands and you push your fingers into the, into the cookie, it can take some of that flexion because the spine is, or because the... Um, disc is, you know, is squishy and it's pliable, but it, it doesn't, it won't do that for long. Like the older you get, the more kind of, uh, the less fluid it has and the less healthy that disc can get. Um, so if you're repeating that bending motion, you're increasing the risk for that disc to bulge out the back. And you'll hear a lot of, um, injuries like, like, you know, I reached to turn on the sink or I reached to flush the toilet and, um, felt you know, some searing back pain. Well, that's a disc bulge. And so when you're doing these repeated uh, bendings or flexings of the spine, that is the quickest way to provoke a back injury. Um, and, you know, call it mechanical low back pain, but, um, you know, there's a, a back researcher by the name of Stuart McGill who is incredible. He's the number one spine guy in the, in the world. Um, just a quote, quick quote from his book, repeated flexion bending of the spine is necessary to cause herniation. In fact, herniation of the disc seems impossible without full flexion. Herniations tend to occur in younger spines because of their higher water content and more hydraulic characteristics. So think about it, like, I guess if you have a, a um, disc in between two vertebrae that's full of water, um, you know, that, that's going to be something where the hydraulic pressure sort of puts more pressure. When you flex, when you fully flex over, there's more hydraulic pressure on the disc, so it, it uh, is more likely to, to pop or bulge out the back. So that's pretty interesting. I, I think, you know, when you, when you look at repeated bending of, you know, say you're holding a dumbbell in one hand and you're doing side bends with it, you're actually putting yourself more at risk, number one, for spine injury. Not only that, they also have done studies that, you know, spine mechanics aside, it turns out that flexing and bending is not the job of the core musculature or the, the abdominal musculature between your ribs and your hips. The actual job, well, the reason that they know this is, um, you know, you think, think about uh, like a six-pack muscle, you know, and it call, it's a uh, real name is rectus abdominis, and it's, it's sort of the six-pack muscle, the one that looks nice on all the GQ ads. Um, but 
when you look at that and you think in function, yeah, if you were to if you were to take a cadaver a, a cadaver and stimulate that muscle, it would create a sit up motion, right? But um, just because that it, it's capable of doing that doesn't mean that that's its job. What they've actually found is the the job of the rectus is to kind of assist in a sit up. The actual the the bulk of the work in a sit-up comes from the obliques, the ones that come around your side, and it sort of creates this, this hoop or circular stress around, around the abs and sort of tightens everything up and allows you to sit up. So if you want a quicker way to a six-pack, you're better off doing uh, planks rather than sit-ups. With sit-ups, you're working mostly the obliques and not the rectus abdominis, the one that gets the nice six-pack look to it. Uh, the reason they know this is just because, uh, you know, if you think of a six-pack, it's got the it's got the, the reason they call it a six pack is because there's areas in between the muscles that are just like fascia. They're, it's like uh, tissue like your Achilles tendon, right? It's not muscular tissue. It doesn't contract like a muscle would. It's just there and it supports. But if you think about it, if the role of the, if the role of the rectus abdominis was to sit you up or to flex like that, it would look more like a long series of muscles like, oh, the example I always use is, you know, take a, a, a big pack of Twizzlers that you got from the candy aisle, right? And, and look at that and see, it, it would look like kind of a bundle of muscles. Um, and if you think of something like your hamstring, which goes down the back of your leg, that's a really long, continuous series of muscles. There's no breaks in that like there are with, uh, with your six pack muscles, with your rectus abdominis. So there's clearly something different that's going on in function there because the, the role of the hamstring, uh, arguably, is to flex, you know, flex the knee. So when I, when I use my hamstring, I can pull my heel up towards my butt um, and I flex my hamstring that way. That, your hamstring is one whole series of muscles, and so it's able to do that job. But when you look at the abs, the abs aren't necessarily built for that because they have those, you know, intermittent spots where there's no, where it's not a contractile tissue. It's not a muscle leading to flexion or that crunching motion. The, the function of that is to be sort of a cross brace, right? So you're getting lots of pulling from the obliques, the ones on the side, and it's pulling on your abs. And if your abs were just one long series of muscle without those cross braces that you see in a six pack, it would, it would pull the muscle apart. So those, um, striations or the six pack is actually kind of a cue to us that the job of your abs is, is not to, especially your rectus is not to do a sit up, but to stabilize everything else, right? It, it, it's there to be a stabilizer and keep you tall and, and maintain spinal position. Um, and so there's another, you know, really, I guess, influential book in this area, and it's called mechanical low back pain by Porterfield and DeRosa. And so their, their biggest quote from the book, and that's the biggest take-home, is rather than considering abdominal muscles as flexors and rotators of the trunk, something they certainly have the capacity to do, their function might be better viewed as anti-rotators and anti-lateral flexors of the trunk. And so that means the core is there to resist motion instead of create motion. And I think this is something that it's, it's well understood now but, you know, in the 90s and, and 80s, it was not well understood. And, you know, we were kind of going by 
let's see, how can I, how can I crunch this muscle and, and then release it? That's how I'm going to get, um, that's how I'm going to build up this muscle. And it's sort of like an old a bodybuilding or powerlifting idea. But what we know now about the function of the core is that it's not there to bend and crunch. It's there to be stable and strong as you, uh, as you go through your abdominal movements. So what we do now, or what I think, if, if people are on, on par with uh, current practices and current research, now we're doing more things like uh, planks and um, side bridges, side planks, and anti-rotation where you, know, you, you pull a band out and push your hands away from your body and try not to rotate. But all these movements are anti-movement. So that when we do something like, uh, even throwing a medicine ball uh, for us is, is core work because we're turning our hips. And when we turn our hips, we want our hips to turn our upper body um, and so that's core work. You're, you're working to control and stabilize your spine and get what you do with your legs to transfer into your arms into a throw. So when you think of your core work, um, if you are, let's say, if you have low back pain and your doctor has told you that you need physical therapy or you need to improve your core strength, start looking at more anti-movements rather than crunching movements to improve that. Um, what you'll do is you'll take a lot of pressure off of your spine, right? And so, you know, you kind of think about where the pain is coming from. If you sit for 10 minutes, if you sit for 10 minutes and you have low back pain, you're probably having disc issues. Um, in fact, you know, that seated, that seated flexion position is one of the most provocative positions for back pain. The only thing that makes that worse is vibration. So if you're like a you know, if you're a truck driver or a bus driver or, you know, someone who sits and, you know, is subject to extra vibration, you're at particular risk for low back pain. Um, the other thing to consider, too, is uh, consider the stretches you're doing. I mentioned earlier that the function of the spine, like spinal function, it, it's to be stable near the bottom, right? So that makes sense. We want to be stable through our core but the upper back should be more mobile. So that means when you're doing stretches or you're doing mobility work, we should be doing mobility work where the upper body moves and the lower body does not. So if you think of the, the common one is, um, you know, people lay on the ground and you try to keep your shoulder blades on the ground and you throw one leg over to your side. Um, a lot of people will like crack their back that way. Well, that's sort of the opposite of what, of what we want to do. And it's, it, it's, been used for a long time, but even a small change as flipping that movement upside down makes it more functional. So if you think about it, if you freeze your shoulder blades and you, you're laying on your back on the floor and you take one leg and like, you know, reach it over top and try to touch it on the floor, let's say you pick up your left leg and try to touch it on the floor on your right side while keeping your shoulder blades glued to the floor, you're actually trying to make the low back mobile so you're mobilizing the back, the low back, while trying to keep your upper back stable, which is the opposite of the of the function of the spine. So what we do in here a lot, and and this is pretty much a staple, just because I haven't figured out a better way to do it, um, is to, you know, lay on your side to begin with, keep your belly strong, keep your knees uh, in like a hook lying position or a, sort of a fetal position, and 
keep your knees glued on top of each other, and you're going to open your chest up towards the ceiling. So you're, you're freezing your lower back, your, your lower spine, and now working to move your upper back, your upper spine. So that agrees a little bit more with function, um, and that's sort of a mobility thing that you can do that, that might improve. Like um, You may not have back pain now, but a lot of these things, a lot of these practices, that the anti-rotation, the anti-extension, anti-flexion movements um, that you would do in a plank or a side plank and those kinds of things, or medicine ball throw, um, those combined with the mobility, the mobility drills that you do, even though you may not have back pain now, you're setting yourself up uh, to have a healthier back. These are back sparing motions, and you're actually working the core in a functionally appropriate way so that when you need that extra strength, let's say you know, it's, it's, uh, you're getting to the end of the driveway and, and you um, may be getting fatigued, the ability to maintain that stiffness through your core is going gonna, is gonna to be what saves your spine and saves you from back injury down the road. So hopefully that all makes sense. Uh, this would have been a much easier uh, presentation, you know, with, with visuals and things like that. But the keys for you to go home with are, uh, number one, mechanics of the spine. Uh, we want to be stable right around your belly button. And the farther we go up towards your shoulders um, and your, your neck, the more mobile we can be, right? So that doesn't mean you have to force mobility there, but you should be kind of maintaining mobility. And the ways to do that are, you know, doing simple turns with your shoulders while keeping your belly strong, while you keep your, you know, belly strong. Like when I say that, I'm talking about like strong, like you just sneezed, right? So you just sneezed and think about that kind of flexion that you get from that. And then we're going to rotate uh, your shoulders on top of that. So maintaining spinal mobility is important, but it's not something we want to force. Um, and then the other thing, the other thing that sort of partners up with with mobility is stability. So we want to work on stability uh, around your belly button and in your hips to not only maintain the position of your spine, but also maintain the position of your hip. The things that we do here that that lend themselves to that is, I mean, I could say everything is core work because it all goes, through, you know, from your upper body to your lower body, but. The things that we do that particularly address that are, are planks, side planks, all of the ab, um, you know, rollouts and uh, things like that that are asking us to move our extremities while keeping a, a strong core. All the anti-rotation movements, even even single leg, even single leg squats and that kind of thing, challenge us to keep our core and the position of our hips steady and stable, so that we can maintain that stability through your lower back and through your. Head. So hopefully what I've shared today is helping you to um, extend the life of your spine, um, to do back sparing movements that, that are going to allow you to avoid back pain and also maintain strength and keep doing the things that you want to do for the rest of your life. There's so much out there that's been done a certain way only because that's always the way it's been done, uh, but there's really clear new research that really shows us that there is no reason to be doing sit-ups, crunches, side bends, all those kinds of things. Um, so hopefully those are not a part of your program. If they're a part of your program, please send me an email and uh, we'll talk about it. That's all we've got for you today, guys. Hopefully uh, this was really helpful for you. I know when we've shared this with people in the past, it's sort of a, a kind of a mind-blowing experience because so many fitness uh, 
programs rely on those things as you know as finishers as poor work um, but we, we know a lot more now and kind of know how to do things so that's all i got for today and uh, until next time guys be sure to train smart and live the fit life formula that's three days of something you love to do two days of strength training and one workout that just sucks every week looking forward to next week guys we'll talk to you soon we'll be right back.